Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPandas.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 55, which begins with Thor casually announcing his plans to fly and ends with S.H.I.E.L.D. realizing that they have a perimeter breach. Uh, joining us today, unfortunately, this is the last day we have with him, is Scott Corelli, founder of the Dueling Genre Podcast Network and host of Franchiseography. Um, Scott, it's been so awesome having you this week. I'm kind of curious, what's your overall sense of these five minutes we've been looking at? Uh, it really runs the gamut, uh, I think. you get the We get the comedy, we get the Asgard stuff, we got some rom-com stuff, and now we're getting some action. So uh, it's really... It's really going, uh, going all over the place. It's a real uh, a moosh-boosh of Thor. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's a good way to describe it. Well, we'll get into that moosh-boosh in just one moment. Have you ever heard of Patreon? Well, like so many podcasters out there, we are fans of their site, and we find it to be just a great platform for all of our fans to support us by becoming patrons. Well, we have now upgraded our site to Patreon's memberful platform, which allows us to actually build our patron support platform right into our own site. So if you've been thinking about becoming a patron to show your love for the show, but you weren't sure about it as you can't find us on Patreon, just know that we are, in fact, using their platform. You can learn more about it at memberful.com. They make it so, so easy. Just visit truestory.fm slash Minute. And you can find out what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month. And you can even get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Thanks. All right. So now we get the second half of the joke. You know, in, in some ways, I kind of like that she says, you know, are you just going to go walk right out with it? And he just says, no. But of course, the last half of it is <laughs> I'm going to fly out. And, and again, this is just such a great dynamic between both of them because he doesn't wait for her to react and he just says that and walks away and she has this great moment of just once again like she keeps thinking she hasn't figured out and he keeps surprising her what i love about it too is just like <laughs> you know this whole movie is all about thor like saying things and and jane being like what what did he just say you know like that kind of vibe and but i i love the way that chris hemsworth plays it and I'm sure Kenneth Branagh also directed him this way, but I, I love the fact that, like, it feels a little bit like Thor's just like, and now I'm going to say the cool line. And, like, you know, where he's just like, <laughs> no, I'm going to fly out. And you and if you held on his face when he walked away, he would be like, yeah, that's right. I just said it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Thor is definitely the guy who walks coolly away from explosions, if you've seen that video yes, on the internet ever. definitely. Oh, yeah, we talked about that plenty in Iron Man. Oh, I'm There's, sure. Uh, yeah, we have that there yeah uh, okay so then we get a shot that i i refer to as the reverse god's eye shot or perhaps the mjolnir's eye view uh but i've been told by andy that it's actually called a worm's eye view uh but yeah it's kind of like because now we're looking not down but we're looking basically what mjolnir would be seeing of looking straight up and into the rain starting to come down right exactly yeah this is that moment to, uh, to i mean this is just letting us know hey it's raining now there's thunder there's lightning the god of thunder is approaching mm -hmm. very very frightening um yeah and so that was I guess, kind of the next question is going to be is could cause the reason i keep going back to this question of what how much of this is thor causing it is we saw that thor has lost so much of his power he he's not the super fighter he used to be he's now you know he can get tased when he used to be a giant throwing him across a field of ice didn't really bother him 
Um, I was wondering how much of it is Thor's presence that's causing all this interference. And they, they do say during the scene that it, it there's more interference. I forget the exact words, but it's saying that like uh, it, it's been doing this a lot. And so, to me, what that said is that most of this is just coming from Mjolnir, whether Thor's nearby or not. Is that that the sense you got? I don't know. I, I feel like there's an element of the two of them coming together because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, sure, when all the townies were playing around with it, trying to pull it out, there probably wasn't a lot of tech that they were checking to see if if their phones were working or not. Uh, but also, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been here for at least half a day kind of doing all the setup. And it only seems like right now they're getting all this interference. Like, I mean, they don't say that it's ha- been happening all day. But my my feel of the way that they're all acting is suddenly there's all this interference that is happening. And that, that's just the way that I'm reading it. Yeah, it, de- it definitely feels like a culmination to me of like Thor and Mjolnir coming together causing the weather and also causing all of this like technical interference that's fair yeah i found the line it's it's all the interference that thing is giving off and that's what made me think it's been giving off some for a while but i think you're right it's probably getting worse and worse now well and i I, it also feels like it's coming with the storm because the 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 start of that line which i i just i find so intriguing sir feed from the keyhole can barely penetrate the cloud cover so it makes me feel like you know there must be some i'm assuming the keyhole is like this central column here that they've built around mjolnir i think keyhole satellite is the name of like one of the satellites that the government uses for um oh okay governmental spying stuff so i think that's what they're referring to so but all of a sudden it seems like there's this big cloud cover that's kind of come in you know it it seems pretty sudden well i mean let's i mean it wasn't that long ago when we were watching Jane and Thor driving with a beautiful New Mexico sunset, <laughs> clear skies, except for one little tiny cloud floating. So I, I guess, yeah, this this is all coming in rather quickly. And so then we get what is not necessarily a huge moment for this movie, but I think knowing what we know now, a very big moment for the rest of the MCU for quite a while, Agent Jasper Sitwell, who, of course... um Forgive me spoilers for things that are eight or ten years old. Uh, we're going to find out is a pretty important part, not only of S.H.I.E.L.D., but is one of the lead people in terms of the HYDRA takeover of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, what, what's it like for you all seeing him again now that we know all the things that are going to happen with his character? I think it's really interesting that every shot of him in this minute, at least, and I, I, I'm going to tell you the guys this and I want you to I want you to track it the rest of the movie but uh (laughs) but uh every shot of him at least in this minute is a dutch angle which i think is a really interesting choice considering what we know about him in the future not only that but he all he never looks happy (laughs) i'm just like does he do we ever get good like happy moments of sitwell or is he always kind of like you know very serious and grumpy looking because he sure seems that way here i mean the closest to happy i think is like panicked I think that's the the most like emotion that we get from him uh, typically. He's an interesting uh, character, and it's it's fun to kind of just see this this origin of him because again, I, what I really enjoy about going through these um, films in the MCU is that these characters pop up like him, like Darcy, like Eric, who end up be you can follow the thread of them through these other projects and mm-hmm. and sit well. Certainly, like when I watched this film, I didn't expect that, oh, he's a character who I'm going to get to see more of as the as kind of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe continues evolving. But but we did. And it's, it's great. And the, the all Dutch angles thing is fascinating because, yeah, 
it's hard to imagine that this far back they already were thinking that Hydra's going to take over S.H.I.E.L.D. and he might be a leader of it. Right. Especially because uh, the character does appear in the comics. He uh, was first introduced in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a feature in the Marvel Comics Strange Tales uh, number 144, which is from May 1966. So this is a character who's been in, you know, not a huge part of Marvel Comics, but a character in Marvel and was always just a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent uh, going all that way back. But it is kind of fun to kind of think about when did they first start to think he was going to be, um, you know, the Hydra person. Because now I want to look for that Dutch Angles thing you pointed out. One thing I'm noticing is we were talking earlier about how in this movie, S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of flexing its muscles a lot more than it has up to this point in the MCU. But we still always have Coulson as the the velvet glove over that iron fist, who's very friendly and thank you for cooperation. This is the first time we get a named speaking role S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who has a very different perspective. You know, he is not the super nice guy. He is all business. Like, if you want kind of like imposing scary government agent man, like, you don't get Coulson, you get Sitwell. Right. Well, I was, yeah, just, just in general, you know, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is not a heroic agency this early in the it, it early in the MCU and it's interesting too because i just realized like when are they treated heroic really because right off the right off of avengers you get the you get the the you know winter soldier and and all of the ramifications of what happens there so it it is interesting that like you know early on here they're like yeah it's like a shady government uh, agency and we're not really sure what they do and then we learn that you know that shield sort of comes out of um things in uh in the first avenger and then uh you know uh, building toward the avengers but it's it is interesting that here the choice to put Sitwell in Dutch angles is probably in the context of the making of this movie. It's probably just like, well, it's a shady government organization and this guy is a part of it and we want it to feel sort of vaguely threatening. So we're going to put this guy in Dutch angles. And then, you know, at some point, I think I bet someone was like, well, you know, in Thor, we only shot this guy in Dutch angles. So maybe we could just say that he was a bad guy the whole time. <laughs> That's impossible. Yeah. The, the only, the only thing that I would say that potentially would, would break that is just the fact that so much of this movie is in Dutch angles. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what character wasn't shot with Dutch That's angles true. here? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but still, I'm curious to see, like, as as we follow the Sitwell thread, how often do Dutch angles follow? And certainly, even way, it, 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 it to me, it makes Coulson's character really stand out all that much more just because the contrast. I, I also just want to say on that, um, the kind of a tangent, but what you were saying about how we don't ever really see S.H.I.E.L.D. as terribly heroic. One of the things that I love so much about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, and I know, Andy, you haven't seen all of it, so I'm not going to spoil anything, just kind of general theme of it, is that so much of it seems to be about Colson having come to terms with the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. was never what he thought it was, trying to rebuild it into what it always should have been, you know, and kind of like, it never really was the heroic thing that he believed in, but maybe he can build it to be that, like, I'm going to build it to the ideals he always claimed if it never sure. stuck to them. 
Well, and so obviously, uh, not only do we get the uh, characters, because we got a great actor who's going to be in a number of these things, uh, Maximiliano Hernandez, who is uh, from New York City. So I have a particular love of uh, where he's coming from. This is my hometown as well. He's Honduran of descent. Uh, and Andy, uh, I think we have a genuine IMDb game possibility here. We just might, although I'll be, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one to see uh, how many films of his might just be uh, films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I guess we'll see. Uh, so if you had to guess uh, for IMDb, you know, what are, what are the four films that IMDb says Maximiliano Hernandez is known for? What would you two say? This, I assume, uh, Winter Soldier and... Is he in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like early on, like in season one? He is, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe he, he pops up in Agent or in season five, too, although that might just be the flashback. Yeah. So then I would say, I guess I would say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, but I don't know what the fourth thing would be. Part of why I invite, invited this game is for the first time in a long time, I actually know one of the others. Um, I, I Part of why I recognize him as well is he would later popped up as an FBI agent, I think, or some kind of government agent again, I believe in the TV show The Americans, uh, which is a great show about the kind of Russian spies in America. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it was him, certainly. Um, but yeah, beyond that, well, I don't know yeah, if he's ever did anything that. beyond that in the MCU. Uh, well, uh, you got one. that was captain america the winter soldier that is the one he's most known for probably because of the big turn in that particular film the second one is actually avengers endgame and probably because we get that scene playing again to great comedic effect um then the the third film is actually sicario uh Hmm. denny villeneuve's uh, uh fantastic uh border film and then the last one is the film warrior the uh boxing film so, yeah, he has a couple things in there that are not MCU films, and they're neither of the uh, TV properties you mentioned. So, yeah. uh, looking at his page, I do see on Wikipedia he was FBI agent Chris Amador in the first season of The Americans. So I have a little vindication there, but yeah, obviously not a, as big a part of his career as it was to me. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, okay, so moving beyond, we, we, we hear about the satellite and all this interference uh, and the problems that they're having there. One thing also is that I guess this is still on the Sitwell uh, topic. In the script, there's much more of the techie kind of joking around. Like he wants to, you know, he's making all these different jokes about what's happening. And Sitwell just has no time for it. And it, mostly we've talked about how there was a lot of kind of slapstick around the Warriors 3 that we were pretty happy to see cut. I, I feel like this is another one of those moments where I'm, I, I feel like it works much better to just have this like very imposing governmental thing. And if you have people joking around, just that energy is not going to land at all. Yeah. I don't think giving the, um, anyone from shield really that sort of sense of humor helps them out. You know, I, I, I think that it needs to feel like these people are just this imposing force of, I mean, almost like the, um, the agents in the matrix, right. It's just this kind of wall of people in black suits that you don't want to mess with. Yeah. Yeah. Or like something from the X Files. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Probably makes a lot more sense. Yeah, especially especially this this early on in the MCU. I think I think uh, the choice to sort of uh, uh, take take the wind out of their sails in the Avengers, I think, is a really good choice because at that point you're like sort of merging the two. You're like showing the characters sort of like the backstage of all of this. Um, and so then at that point, it's like, yeah, okay, now we can humanize them a little bit more. But here in, in Thor, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I think that's, that's exactly what they are trying to do. 
you know, especially because we've, we've been talking about this in, in the Iron Man movies, they're either there to help or maybe they're there to kind of keep, you know, help rein in Tony somewhat, but they're still not like they're still there to help things move along. In this movie, they're kind of antagonists, at least at this point. So it's a nice change. We then get what I'm now going to refer to as the Easter egg that wasn't. This is one of my favorite, like, things we figure out by diving deep. Because they mention, they're very specific. They, they, they don't just say a flight's overhead. They say Southwest Flight 5434. And so, as I assume a lot of other people have done, I googled Southwest Flight 5434 and Thor and did eight or ten different uh, Google searches on this. And I found a number of Reddit threads of people asking, what does this mean? It has to be an Easter egg, right? And there's nothing. And as far as I can tell, they put it in just to have some specificity or maybe because Southwest Airlines, like it's some product placement because we're all talking about Southwest Airlines. But it it was just kind of fun to me when people think about all these things that are always so placed. This one seems to be just a non-existent Easter egg. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah, and then it makes you wonder, like, uh, yeah, are they comics? Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious about that and how they came to that. But yeah, because I did the exact same thing. I, I googled, oh, I wonder where this flight is. Huh? It's not in anywhere near New Mexico. Yeah, it is right now a flight from Fort Myers, Florida, to Chicago, Illinois, that runs, as far as I can tell, like twice a week. Make of that what you will. <laughs> what, well, one thing that I really do, well, two things. First, let me just, uh, you know, techie. Let me get the techie out of the way. Our techie right here is Blake Silver. This is his little um, kind of moment to shine here in the film as he's kind of having his little chat um, with Sitwell here. Blake Silver, if you look at his IMDb top four, it's Thor. Then he was a photographer in Kidding. He was the director of Boyfred, and he was the writer for Unlocking Christmas. So he is somebody who's kind of like, you know, a little bit of kind of his uh, dipping his toe into a lot of different things. But that's our techie here. Now, the thing that I find interesting is, is we're looking at the Southwest screen that they're, they're looking at the flight information coming into this particular area that they have labeled on the state of New Mexico as the event zone. It is a rather large square that they have blocked out that, um, I'm assuming this is the area we're in and this is where this event is happening. I, I, it's so frustrating because like all that work that I did back on our one shot about, you know, following the mileage to figure out where Puente Antiguo is it. I mean, they're basically putting it on, you know, farther North in the state than it realistically should be. Cause now it's either like up in Taos or it's over on the other side of uh, the Hills from Santa Fe over like toward the Las Vegas, New Mexico, not Nevada, but New Las Vegas, New Mexico area. And so I'm guessing that that's where we are. It, it, Taos doesn't make sense because it's way too high up in the mountains. So now I've gone from thinking it's farther south, like Truth or Consequences or Roswell, and now I'm like, well, maybe Puente Antiguo is up by the Las Vegas area. So that's where I'm sitting now. Uh, it's it's hard to say because it's never really identified. Hmm. Got it. So then, of course, we have this moment where the sensors have now picked up Thor, and I guess it's because they have like a proximity sensor on the fence itself. I don't know why they don't have it 50 feet out where Thor and Jane are just watching from the hills, but fair enough. And it doesn't even look like there was a sensor. It looked like it was like it looks like he literally sees on the camera of the fence uh, like the fence has been pulled up. Like, you know, in the script, they actually it is like an infrared body that he sees down by the fence. But in, in the way that it's shot here, it's like he's just noticing a like a hole in the fence it's just like this is like some prison picture moment <laughs> here it's it's a very strange way that they decided to do this cuz it seems so low tech for shield 
Yeah, it, it it is interesting that that I, I feel like they didn't quite know what they were doing with Shield Tech and things like that. Because as you said, like we're, we're only a couple movies away from them having helicarriers, but now they seem um like they're not getting much of the government budget. Um, and and then they we have the line uh, Delancey Jackson, check it out. And I guess these are two Shield agents. Uh, Agent Jackson is being played by Jamie McShane. Agent Delaney is played by Buddy Sothsand. I think is the name the way you pronounce that. Um, they don't really get to do much on screen. Thor takes them out. Um, <laughs> yeah, they get to do literally nothing other than get knocked out. Uh, but still, they're in the credits, so we're going to name them. Yep. What I like, though, here, and I'm curious if you get the same sense, is we've seen Thor do the, I stand in front of you and I challenge you, Frost Giants, to a bold and mighty combat. Here, he's doing some stealth stuff. You know, here, we're seeing that the barbarian character has some rogue skills as well. Um, and I just thought it was a nice touch of seeing, like, he doesn't have to just boldly stride in he can sneak around a little bit it is nice to see thor doing something other than just barging in because that generally feels like his his modus operandi Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a change for him nice to see he can do that um while we're here though with these two i just wanted to say buddy sauce sauce tanned or Mm -hmm. however you said it um he's largely a stunt person and uh he's known for on imdb pirates of the caribbean uh, uh dead man's chest Baby Driver, Captain America Civil War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. So uh, all stunt work. Okay. So he's clearly a utility stunt player who's here just to do stuff like this. And then our other uh, our other agent here, Jamie McShane, playing Agent Jackson, um, looks like, uh, I don't know, um, Bloodline, Gone Girl, Argo, and Sons of Anarchy, all as an actor. So he seems to be more of the actor hmm. side of things. Okay. I'm a big Sons of Anarchy devotee, and I don't think I recognized him, but I don't think we actually saw his face in any point on screen, so that was probably yeah, Very why. briefly. Well, he he played Cameron Hayes in Sons of Anarchy, if that means oh, yeah. anything to you. I've, I've never seen the show, but that's it, who he it's was. It's very good. Uh, very dark. So, okay, so anyway, so we see, like, Thor takes some people down. He's sneaking around. Uh, Sitwell calls them. He's now by a new techie. Uh, who we don't really know who he is. I guess he's just kind of moving around. Unnamed background actor who's mm-hmm. not in the credits, yeah. Yep. Uh, and we get a kind of couple different shots of, I think we're just kind of like building up the tension here. You know, we're seeing Thor being sneaky. We're seeing all the atmospheric uh, interference. I-, I think it's really doing a great job of just building up to this clearly like big moment we're going to be having soon. My big question is why do they have barrels of what looks like they're labeled with like hazardous material? Like what did they bring here in these 12 hours that requires barrels labeled hazardous? <laughs> Got to be like stuff that they're trying to experiment with, right? To try and lift the hammer. I guess maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe, like, well, let's pour acid on it and see if that does anything. You know, like it's got to be stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, we had that kind of Excalibur shot that it was like stuck in a stone. So yeah, maybe they want to melt the stone around it. Um, I, yeah, I still right. think it's possible that they just always take things that are there to scare people away from not coming <laughs> and being nosy. You know, uh, just you always have the big radiation thing and the hazardous material. But who knows? Right, very close encounters, right? Uh, we see Thor kind of use their weapon as a club. I don't think he kind of understands guns, but he takes their rain slicker, which again is just it's showing like a. A level of situational awareness from Thor of, you know, that he certainly was not showing against the Jodens, uh, in Jotunheim. Yeah, I mean, he's putting on a disguise. I never would have thought Thor would do that. And so it is nice to see that these little touches are kind of thrown in there. 
And then again, in the very high-tech way of just someone else stumbling upon a down agent, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. figures out that we have a perimeter breach, and then all these red lights start flashing, and that's pretty much where the minute ends. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, with all the—I mean, but I, I, I love the touch of all those, like, the red lights through the whole complex, just these little blinking red lights. It's, mm-hmm. It looks great. I mean, there are moments in this that actually, um, you know, I, you know, considering it is kind of like this giant hamster— uh, cage that they're in right here it does have these moments that uh that look really nice yeah well i think that's about the end of the minute um for either of you any other kind of last things you wanted to bring up or talk about uh, No, i think that's it um you know i i always regret not being able to name the actors when we see them but otherwise i think this is a it's a fun minute and we're getting into some uh, some juicy stuff including i assume the introduction of a particular character next week right oh i should hope so yes yeah. Who is not not named or credited in the uh, credits of this movie, wow. but will get be getting his own TV show fairly yeah. soon. That's cool. Um, yeah, might yeah might have been released by the time uh, we should coincide those episodes to come yeah. out when the show does. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Scott, just one more time for those folks who have been listening and enjoying your stuff. Where, where can they find more of the kind of podcasting you do? Because you just seem to be all over the place. Uh, yeah, you can find everything I do at uh, duelinggenre.com. Um, and you can you can follow me on on Twitter. I'm just Scott Corelli every on everything on every social media. Um, but uh, please check out my scripted narrative podcast that I write uh, with uh, my my writing partners Nick Jimenez and and Cass Fredrickson, past guest of the show. Um, check out Geek by Night. I'm sure that Cass plugged it when. They were on your show, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's a it's a scripted narrative podcast about comic book geeks who get superpowers and uh, what happens from there. And it's a lot of fun. It's um, it's it's sort of like in the vein of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, is sort of the vibe that we're going. Only uh, you know we're not bad people writing it. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you, you mean you actually have a woman who's involved in writing women characters? Yeah, that, that's... yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so so check out uh, check out that show. It's a lot of fun to do, and we are writing the final episodes now um, to be released in uh, 2022. So we're really excited to uh, wrap the show up, bring it in for a landing. So now is the perfect time to catch up. I think there's. 35 episodes currently 35 or 36. I don't remember. Um, anyway, go check it out. It's called geek by night. It's great. It has been so good having you here this week. I have to say the, um, I used to think that I was pretty hardcore because I'm currently doing three podcasts a week and, oh, wow, I have realized that there are just levels of podcasting that I have yet to achieve. So um, I do hope you find some time to sleep from time to time. I, I, uh, but- I don't. <laughs> I, I have a Patreon, so I have to make content for that as well. So no, I don't sleep. There, there you go. Well, I'm so glad you could find some time to be with us. This was so much fun having you. Andy, as always, thank you so much. And to our fans, you know, you make this all possible. Thank you so much. Let us know what you think and have a great day. Until next time, True Believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. True Story.